The Holy Gospel for this, the second Sunday in the season of Lent, is from Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 31. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation Of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with all the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to all of you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord, and from our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Today, in our Gospel lesson from St. Mark, we read the story of Jesus and Peter having some harsh words with each other. Jesus has just explained to his disciples what it means to be the Christ, what it means to follow God. It means walking a path of simplicity and service and probably suffering, too. Peter contradicts Jesus. No, Jesus, you've got to be wrong. To be the Christ means power and privilege and influence. And following God means things will go well with us. It doesn't involve suffering. Jesus looks directly at Peter. And with firmness in his voice, he rebukes Peter and says, No, Peter, you are wrong. You should change your ways, Peter. Now, we don't often use the word rebuke these days. So I looked it up in the dictionary, and I found some synonyms for the word rebuke. Reproach, reprimand, scold, challenge, criticize. Today, we hear about Peter being rebuked. That is, criticized by Jesus. And it was a needed critique. And I suspect that we have all had moments in our lives like Peter did. Times when someone has challenged us, even rebuked us. And we often needed it. Do you remember the times when you were a child? There were times when you were probably rebuked. I was. We may have failed to follow some family rule. Maybe we were rude or mean or less than honest. Maybe we pushed the boundaries just a little too far and we needed to be challenged. How about as teenagers? 
we thought we knew more than we really did. We were often impatient or insecure and certainly overly influenced by our peers. Teenagers often remember being rebuked, not just by parents, but by teachers, by coaches. How about young adults? We broke away from home, neighborhood, exploring the whole wide world. And sometimes we hit problems. Sometimes we struggled. We experimented with things. We made mistakes. Very often, it was our very best friends who challenged us and maybe even rebuked our behavior or our attitudes, and we listened to them. Happens in our careers, too. We can be criticized at work. We fail at some project deadline or we get caught in office politics and we receive a reprimand, a rebuke. Indeed, we are all a little bit like Peter. We make our mistakes again and again. We are in need of someone to challenge us, someone to critique us, someone to rebuke us. We don't think of it this way, but ultimately Peter was blessed by Jesus' rebuke. Jesus' rebuke was the beginning of a spiritual renewal for Peter. But it was so difficult. When we read the gospel lesson today and Jesus rebuked Peter, we don't get any hint at all about Peter's reaction to that rebuke. Jesus has just said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's a dramatic and pointed rebuke. What do you suppose was going on inside Peter when he heard that criticism? Although the text does not describe Peter's reaction, we can probably guess. If we were the ones being rebuked, our initial reaction would probably be defensive. We may think, or we may respond by saying, No, you're wrong. I'm not wrong. We often deny even a rebuke that is completely justified and true. We rationalize. We're defensive. I think of past rebukes that I've experienced, and to be honest, I'm almost always initially defensive. I deny the validity of that criticism. Then, then in time, I move on to anger, the second part of the response. I get angry. We get angry, often at the one who's doing the criticizing of us, and then a short step to attack. Then we attack. We say things like, oh, yeah, well, you. Sometimes we attack the person directly who rebuked us. At other times, we use more roundabout ways to attack, like gossip or triangulation or the silent treatment. You ever use that one? Sometimes we even turn the attack inward. We attack ourselves and allow the rebuke to drive us into despair or self-criticism that wounds us deeply so much that we can't move forward. Denial, defensiveness, anger, attack are often the initial reactions we have to a rebuke, a criticism. And maybe, just maybe, those are exactly the feelings that Peter had 
in today's gospel lesson. Or maybe Peter responded in a healthier way. Maybe Peter was initially simply silent, listening carefully to what Jesus had to say. Maybe Peter was able to control his own temptation to lash back at Jesus. Then, after the silence, after the listening, Peter evaluated what was said. He thought about it. Peter considered what was true and helpful in the rebuke. And just as importantly, what was not helpful and maybe not true. It is so often the case that when criticism or rebuke comes our way, it may be encrusted with the pain, the anger, the struggles of the one doing the critique. We forget that we all have a little dysfunction. And that can be the case with people who criticize us. But instead of dismissing everything in the criticism, we evaluate and we take away what might be helpful to us. I sometimes describe this step with one of Jesus' parables. It's the one about the wheat and the chaff. You probably remember it. The wheat and the chaff, they're all mixed together. And the farmer must take his winnowing fork, throw the wheat and chaff up into the air. The wind blows the chaff away, but the good wheat, which is heavier, falls back to the ground and becomes useful for food. When we evaluate a rebuke that comes our way, there may be a good amount of chaff, that is, the pain and the dysfunction, projected out toward us by the one doing the rebuke. A healthy response begins by listening carefully and then evaluating might, what might be the good wheat in criticism, because often there is good wheat. And then we let the chaff blow away, keeping the good wheat, keeping the good criticism, keeping the truth. Almost always there is something we can learn, even from a sharp rebuke about ourselves or about the person doing the criticism. So maybe Peter first listened. Maybe Peter then evaluated the truth in Jesus' rebuke. And so is probably a quick next step to a healthy response of change. Or to use the biblical word, repent. We sometimes think the word repentance means, I'm sorry. It's not what it means. Repentance means change. Literally, going in one direction, turning, and going another direction. Maybe the rebuke to Peter was the beginning of such a change, going in one direction and then another. Maybe Peter started to let go of his focus on power and privilege. And again, maybe he began to turn to a life of service and sacrifice and even suffering. During this season of Lent, it may be also a good time for us to consider the things we have learned from the rebukes in our own lives, often moments that have spurred change within us. As I think about such moments in my own life, I confess to you that I have often begun to change 
because someone has challenged me. Because someone had the courage to even rebuke me. A Sunday school teacher taught me that no one is more important than anyone else. A college friend helped me be more environmentally aware when he rebuked me for littering. A woman friend at seminary challenged my stereotyping of people with disabilities. A friend from Mississippi taught me that I had absorbed racist ideas, even without knowing it. I could continue with many examples of that rebuke, repent cycle. And I suspect you have many examples in your own life as well. This Lent, this Lent, I encourage you to remember those moments of rebuke in your own life that led to change. Remember those moments and how you reacted. Of course, we have reacted at times with what I described earlier, with defensiveness and anger and attack. But sometimes, sometimes we responded in a healthier way by carefully listening to the rebuke, evaluating and discerning that rebuke and allowing it, the good wheat in it, to change us. The cycles of rebuke, response, repent, happen again and again and again in life, almost weekly. And so today, this second Sunday in the season of Lent, we conclude learning that rebuke is not always negative. Rebuke can be the beginning of something very positive. Jesus' rebuke of Peter led to a spiritual awakening in which Peter helped change the world and touch us to this very day. The holy rebukes that have come our way in our own lives can also be the beginning of healthy and positive responses which can, which can change us and change a little bit of the world around us. Amen.